1: You haven't got blood flying through your veins. Beautiful stuff. It's magnificent mm. stuff. Uh, Patrick Welsh, Paddy Welsh, Whispering Paddy Welsh. A whole lot of names. Paddy Welsh has been known mm-hmm. uh, through his magnificent and illustrious career. <laughs> going to join us very very shortly. Unusual that when a uh, reporter slash media presenter mm-hmm. gives it away, that anyone gives a tinker's cast because most of us aren't. You know, we're barely tolerated. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. of us. But he has been uh, a stalwart. Over 40 years he's
0: been doing the caper up there in Queensland and around Australia and around the world at Channels. 43 years at the one network. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people in Victoria may not, because he's much more famous up north with the rugby and reading the news. Turn it up. Now, everyone knows him, but... Andy, I'm just saying. He's saying he's a bit provincial. He's a provincial operator. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying. He's like a
1: wind wind TV operator. Is that what you're saying? Not at all. Is that what you're saying? No. Well, Well, if you're in Ballarat, you might know who he is. I'm just saying. But the rest of Australia, no idea. Andy, oh, I look forward to you putting
0: that to Pat. I did not say that. You've doing, You've you've started <laughs> real solid, and then after the first hour, you've gone back to your old ways. I did not say that. What I'm saying is, is he, he he's not front and centre like he is up in. Uh, he's the Tim Watson on the Channel Seven. News. He, he's got water covered. Has he got water covered? Oh, by a long
1: way. When it comes to Channel 7's, mm. like Hall of Famers, Pat Welsh. Has got leaves Tim Watson for dead. I'm not talking about rating ability. I'm just talking, I'm talking about, about recognition
0: position within the national framework. Mm. God blinding <laughs> Well, I don't know whether I don't know whether Timmy Watson is going to Again, everyone in Queensland would know who Timmy Watson is, but he wouldn't have the same oh, well, gravitas as he does here. Well, let's just throw it open to the TemperTexes. <laughs> and I believe that the TemperTex
1: family here, 043, 16. We'll have a broad national view here.
0: Well, they may so not because a lot of them may not have who's been all... the,
1: Who's been the better operator over the journey? Oh, this is Pat deb- Welsh or Tim Watson? This is a divisive question. Own, oh, I want to know. And Very I think most divisive. of our audience
0: will skew quite heavily uh, in the Pat Welsh direction. I won't do that to my good friend, uh-huh. Tim Watson. <laughs> He's going to join us in a moment what Watto. He's not listening. I can't believe you're trying to compare. There's no compare. They're both excellent no operators. No question. Mm. It's like saying who's the best tennis player, Rafael mm. Nadal or Novak Djokovic. We're
1: talking about two of the all-time greats.
0: Well, that's true.
1: So there's no disrespect to be running second to the other.
0: Well, but When you put it like that, thank you. But there are some people... As in the two we're talking about may not be happy with being in that second. position. Well, sure Watson, please give us your thoughts on the 1116 oh.
1: Joey's in Rove. Oh no, he's gone. A, oh, Pat's there, is he? You got upstairs out of the car, right? And one of the giants. I hope the, you hadn't heard the last <laughs> three minutes of our conversation. One here. of the absolute giants <laughs> of the caper, far more than just a Queensland operative, a Brisbane. A Brisbane big, great like Australian you were calling representative, it. one of the great national figures in our sporting coverage. I did not coverage. say that? <laughs> well, who's given it away. Well. The Seven Network, after about forty-five years, thankfully continuing alongside Heels up there. Se and Q, which is going mm. to be absolutely magnificent for everybody who loves their show, has been good enough to join us. Hey, Patty, on behalf of everybody down here yes. who has been following your career, and some of us wanted to follow in your footsteps. Uh, congratulations on. A magnificent career in this caper, forty was it seven
2: forty seven 47 47
1: years. years, mate. How have you managed to stay in the caper for that long?
2: Well, I don't know, but I'm not sure about the future, Andy. I can tell you, I've just the reason I couldn't talk straight away. I was in the car park with the groceries. <laughs> so the first official day of retirement, there was a list as long as your arm, and the wife just said. Make sure they're all in the fridge <laughs> by the time I get home. So <laughs> yeah. I have, you put a,
1: have you put a call back through to anybody at Channel 7 saying, hang on, has anyone replaced me yet? I wouldn't mind coming back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this final? Is it, is it permanent? Man? Yes. Oh, but look, I've, I've, I decided with the boss about 12 months ago. We had a bit of a chat. and um, I'd had enough, and I'm loving the stuff with my breakfast show with Hill. And it was just becoming too long a day to do breakfast radio and then basically work all day up at Channel 7. So one had to go, and uh, 47 and a bit years, I think, was enough. You've you've all seen enough of me, and... Uh I officially took my makeup, off, uh, make-up off for the last time on Saturday Well done, beautiful. Hey,
0: Paddy, congratulations. It's uh, Andrew Gacy. I may not recognise the voice, although I spent uh, considerable amounts of time with the you covering uh, the, the Olympic Games. But when you look back on all the sports uh, you covered, was there a favourite that you had?
2: Well, only because of the lifestyle, Gaze, um golf. Mm. Because uh, at the time, when we were in the, the healthier days, uh, the shark was in his prime. Nice. And uh, being a Queenslander and a, and, a, and a guy that I'd covered since basically he was a, a young guy, he he trusted me very well. And, and I got to live vicariously through him for quite a while. I mean, when he was in Australia, we'd travel in the jet. When we were in Melbourne, we to eat at that famous steakhouse, off a lot and have a little red upstairs. And, uh, yeah, we just had a, had a wonderful life uh, following the shark around the fairways of Australia. For so many years, so golf was probably on top. Uh, but you know, obviously the Olympics. I got a chance to do nine, six summer and, and three winter, which wow. was always a bit strange. The winter boys. I mean, <laughs> Bundaberg boy hadn't seen snow till I was 25, and they they handball me the the luge and the skeleton, do, <laughs> uh, and I said, what? "What? The hell are they?" <laughs> Anyway, it was a fast learning curve for me to become a, uh, a, a Winter Olympics commentator, but I had a ball, but probably the, yeah, the two big big ones gazing uh, Olympics mm. and you know I got the chance to be the first one to interview Kathy in Sydney that was just surreal and yeah living life around the living life large around the golf courses with the shark and Jack Newton.
1: So, Pat, you're a you're in a good position to tell us a bit about Norman. In all of those years, and all of the athletes and sports people that you've met on the way through, have you ever met anybody who's rivalled the 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 persona, mm. the aura, uh, that status? That, yeah, that came with Norman almost from from day one.
2: No, not really. Um, look, look, in the European area, maybe Mick Doohan. I mean we've got to understand how big he was over yeah. there with his five world titles. I mean, they would get 110,000 to a, a motor race over there, but on a global stage, no one, no Australian that I knew at the time was bigger than Norman. I mean, he could literally walk into Japan or China. He could walk into North or South America, Australia or Asia or Europe and be recognized straight away.
0: Yeah. Hey, when you think back on your career, and I know here working with Andy and Andy's in the same boat, uh, we sometimes have a mirror Things go horribly, uh, horribly pear shaped, <laughs> and we try and dance and weave our way through it, but sometimes with not a lot of success. When you think back to yours, you've got it even different when you're on the camera and then the telly. What was one of the? What was your your most embarrassing moment?
2: Uh, there's one that I've mentioned a couple of times, and, and I've got to say, and I, I hate to speak ill of, of past friends, <laughs> but that one Dean Morphet was supposed to be doing the early shift on the first day of the British Open, so I'd had. Just a little play days the I before, realising I didn't have to be at work until 2. Yep. Um, I'd, maybe I've been doing the, the M Holding impersonations from the long run on the Brighton Fair <laughs> yeah. uh, at about 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, I get a frantic phone call and say, where are you? And I said, well, I'm not due at the course until 2 o'clock. They said, we've got no one else. You need to be over here to do an interview. A young Spanish guy shot 66 who none of us had heard of. So I rushed over looking like a wreck of the Hesperus and find the cameraman, get over to the range. And there's his golf bag with a with a guy there and oh, no, I just introduced myself and said, mate, what a route. 66, first time ever at a British Open. I said, do you mind if we have a quick chat? And so we launched into the interview and he you know, he's English is pretty good. And in the middle of it, this guy has come in and literally sort of pushed him out of the way and, and gave me the hip and shoulder on the way through. And grabbed the seven iron and went to the range. It turned out I was talking to the caddy. <laughs> <laughs> so there's my bar golfing company. Uh, I thought <laughs> you were going
1: to say it was Sevi Ballesteros and you'd never yeah, heard of I him know. before. It was going to be a real count. sting in the tail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, Patty, what, is there a story in all of the stories you, you've covered? Is there one that is the biggest?
2: Look, I, I think, Cathy. Only because, and and you know, and Andrew knows, the the pressure that was on her from an entire nation Mm. from a long, long way out. And, you know, we all go to footy. You know, you go to an AFL grand final, and, you know, maybe the crowd's split 60, 40 or something, 100,000 or so at the G. But there was 110 or or more Mm. in Sydney, and I reckon 108 of them were cheering for Catherine. And we'd all expected her for, you know, there was all the drama and, and, and... and controversy around correct but I've still got no doubt, if you talk to Macca or Raylene or any of them, that Kathy, in her form would have beaten correct whether she showed up or not that night. Yeah. And But, you know, Gazy, you know, as a sportsman, you might be the hottest of fight, you might be a dollar too. Yeah. You've still got to go out and win. And that's what she did that night, and the nation expected, and this was after she'd lit the flames, you know, I, I don't know whether whether it was the greatest favour to her you know, to have to light the flame. And, and I know it was a massive recognition, but it, that just seemed to heighten the pressure and the hype around yeah. her. And, you know, one of the, the unknown things, I think, about it was after she won her first round, I was first, because we were host broadcasters, I was first to get a shot. And she came straight to me, and I gave her you know, kisses that I had at, at a couple of world titles and, and so many events around the world. And I said, look, just hold, we're ending a commercial break. We'll be, we'll be with you literally in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And in that 30 seconds, she looked along the road. And at previous <laughs> events around the world, that she'd had to do two or three interviews. But because she was Kathy Freeman, favourite for the four flat in Australia, she looked along the road, and every journal had their microphone and camera <laughs> cameraman ready. And it, it all became too much for her. And she said, Paddy, I've got to go. And literally just ran. So behind the scenes, there was a massive story unfolding. We as the Seven Network, you know, in, in bed with the IOC for a lot of money, as mm. you can imagine, and the biggest star of the Games didn't want to talk to us. And I didn't. You know, I honestly didn't mind, because I didn't want to yeah. exacerbate the situation. I said, and, you know, she's still got a second round and, and, a, and a semi and all that sort of thing to run, so but she didn't want to talk, and she didn't talk until the final. Uh, and, and there was an enormous pressure on it then as well from the IOC, so that's pretty much an unknown story from behind the scenes. And yeah. I thought in the end of the day, boys, I was just so happy that she did what she really, really wanted to do, and that was win a gold medal at the Olympic Games. And she did it in front of you know 110,000 Aussies.
0: And they say that uh, you got to be careful when you meet your heroes because sometimes things don't always seem as you had pictured it. Is there any that you've got to that uh, when yes. you eventually got in front of him, you gone? Oh no, he's uh, he not is. what I thought. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, look, there's a couple that have that are testy and, and get carried away, but I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any point in sort of casting the spoils. The one that I loved, <laughs> who was the biggest star of them all, was you say? Yeah. I mean, the night that he won the hundred meters in, in in Rio was that was his 3 threepeat. He did 90 interviews that night. 90. Wow. Like all the way along where we were in the mix zone and then down in the mix zone. So, look, there are a couple that were prickly that (laughs) I've had, you know, a couple of clashes with over the years. But, you know, I'm I'm not a big bagger of people. You know, they probably say the same about me. They say, oh, no, he was a prick. He was a pain in the ass and and all that sort of thing. Whereas, you know, I I prefer to remember the good moments. I remember you saying, I remember up here, Wally Lewis, I had a, a fabulous relationship with him and, and he was the king of rugby league. So, and, and Alan Border, of course, you know, he came up here, he still remain great mates. So, yeah, lots of good stories. There are a couple of prickly ones, but no point in raking the coals.
0: Yeah, fair
1: enough. You, you talk about the great stories and the great characters. We're talking to Paddy Walsh, of course, <laughs> who's hanging up the microphone at seven. He's going to keep going, thankfully, on SEQ with Ian Healy uh, in, in the mornings up there, which is great news for everybody who loves their show. But, you mentioned Drew Morford before and um as a as a young kid growing up, Patty and getting to know, you know, Drew and Dave Colbert and a few other blokes on the way through. I was always taken by the stories of the German biomechanist Helmut Varsche who <laughs> you guys used to talk about a lot and who? I I've look I've tried to Google him and I can't find any information about him on the internet. Um did you ever get to meet Helmut? Uh, what can well, you what can you tell who us the hell is
2: Helmut? Met him a host of times Andy <laughs> oh, <thinks laughs> about every Olympic Games. If you if you look on the walk of fame going into the Sydney Olympic Stadium, there is Two bricks there dedicated to Albert Weissing. He is, he is one of the great German athletes of our time. He, he competed first in 96 in Atlanta when Drew actually called it. And uh, it was, a, uh, I think, from memory, the men's 4,000-metre team pursuit. And uh, the Germans were up against the, their overwhelming gold medal favorite first round from memory. And uh, they were so disdainful, the Germans, that they dropped two of their cyclists. They literally wrestled them replaced them with a couple of boats that Drew had no autobiographical notes on whatsoever. And it turned out one of them was Helmut Voschig. And Helmut has appeared at virtually every game, whether it be winter or summer.
1: Funny about that. No, he's become an absolute legend. You
2: have to tell guys off air,
1: all right? <laughs> oh, I have, uh, Paddy. Congratulations. The the Cape has changed enormously since mm. you started. Um, you've you've referenced that in a couple of interviews you've done. But uh, your place within it, you're in the absolute hall of fame when it comes to those who have presented sport news and and live sport coverage to all of us in Australia uh, on behalf of everybody here at a radio station like the one that we're all part of. We're all here together because we love our sport. Thanks for all of the uh, hard yards that you've done and the time spent and the way that you've related to the athletes and made them feel a whole lot more human um, through the camera uh, lens and through our tallies over the journey, mate. So job well done. Um, Great that you're still going to be doing the Bricky Show with Ian and uh, we appreciate you coming on the show this afternoon.
2: Absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for good on on the Good on you, Patty.
0: Pat Welsh. He's a beauty. A
1: thousand stories he'd have, wouldn't he, on the He's way through. The Helmet Varsha. A cyclist. Who went on to join <laughs> well, their hoy
0: there's more to it.
1: He went on to join their um high performance team. Well, can you can you fill us in, please? Well, I don't only you know what I've been told. Well, tell us what you know. Well, I've told you pretty much. Helmet Varsha. He's just become a uh, a very Well inf- what's the story? Oh, I don't know much about the story.